I want to welcome you all today to Resurrection Sunday. We so, are so excited that you're here. And man, I love a full house, that's for sure. We are a blessed church. And today we're going to be continuing in our Easter Sunday sermon, I mean our Easter series entitled Easter Peeps. And we're talking about all the different perspectives of each person as they came into the situation, the resurrection. So but before we go any further, just because I am all hyped up, I forgot to pray. Let's pray together. <laughs> Father God, Lord, we thank you for the day. Lord, we just thank you for what you've done for each and every one of us. As we sit here in church today, Father, and ponder the resurrection and what it is that you've done for every single one of us, Lord, as your son hung on the cross, you were thinking of us. Father, I pray that you be with us. Lord, may your word inspire us. Father, may we have the right perspective about what happened that we are celebrating today. Father, give me the words you want me to speak today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I'd like to read to you from John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, and it says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And church, I ask you the same this morning. Do you believe this? Today, we're going to be talking about John and Peter's perspective of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to be looking at is, is the difference between how they each saw what happened on the day that we're celebrating today. So today I'm going to take you to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. And most of the text will come from 1 Peter. It says this, praise, all praise to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter comes right out the gate with it right there, church. He said, we praise God today. And how many of you are thankful? Think about this. How many of you are thankful for God's mercy in your life? That you're completely thankful for what he's done? How many of us would probably not be sitting here today if it was not for God's mercy in your life? Amen. And that he brought you here. It goes on to say in verses 4 and 5, and it says, And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be received on the last day for all to see. So it says right there, church, that God is keeping us. Do you realize that he is keeping you, that he is protecting you, that he is watching over you? And in verse 6, it goes on to say this, so be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And then 10 through 12 says this. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about his gracious salvation prepared for you. 
They wonder what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Church, the Bible says even the angels are paying attention. Even the angels are watching to see this transformation that is going on. Now, John, I want to talk about his perspective. John chapter 20, verse 8 says this, Then the disciple who had reached a tomb first also went in, and the Bible says this, He saw and believed. He saw and he believed. So what I want to do today is I want to look at the tomb from two different views. I want us to look at the tomb from two different views. Both of these texts come from the resurrection and paying attention to the resurrection, but with a different view. See, Peter was telling the persecuted church in Turkey. See, First Peter, that's what he's writing to, the persecuted church in Turkey, trying to help them get through a really perilous time in the church and in the people. And he tells them about the resurrection. What John is doing, he's giving a reflection on the resurrection. He's kind of looking back and just reflecting on. John is giving that reflection of the resurrection. But Peter, what Peter does is he's talking about the results of the resurrection. How it affected you and me and the, and the things that are going on. And, and so we're talking real results, church. It's real results, noticeable results. It's not just a feeling. Don't you come to church and just thinking this resurrection life is just a feeling. It's more than that. It's about real results. So both of these guys talk about the resurrection, but both of them have a different perspective. Have you ever noticed how two people can experience the same exact event? Think about it. They can experience the same exact thing. They both witness it the same way in a completely different way. Their perspective is different. Do you believe me? Well, I'll tell you what. Today, right after church, you gather three people. You gather three people after church, and you ask them all the same question. You ask them this. What did you think of church today? What did you think of church today? And one of them might be so moved, they still might be crying. You know, I'm talking makeup running down the cheeks and kind of still snotting and snorting a little bit, right? And they're telling you, you know, God really spoke to me today. You could ask the second person, and they're going to be like, hey, what's for lunch next? What time's the egg hunt, you know? They're, they're ready to go out here. And, and then someone else, could, you could look at them, ask them the same question. They're like, it's kind of long. He was hot in there. Somebody might be talking about who sat next to them. Somebody might be talking about what the preacher wore. Said, yeah, look at that yellow shirt. He looks like an Easter peep. He, he's even squishy like an Easter peep, right? But the thing is this. It's the same event, but a different perspective. They look at it differently. So today we're looking at two resurrection experiences. They are both important. I'm not telling you to discount one or the other. They are both extremely important because perspective determines your experience, church. Listen to me again. Perspective determines your experience. You know, I was taught to pray with the right perspective. You know, when you get to a certain age, you know, when you're younger, you, you do that prayer, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to take, right? All that kind of stuff. 
If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I remember it. And that's scary. You know what? That, if you think about that prayer, for an eight-year-old eight kid, it's like, I'm going to die tonight. <laughs> really, I don't know who invented that one, but it's, it, it could be scary. But once you get past that, you, you need to make sure that you're praying with, with perspective. You pray with perspective. You pray less about stuff and more about things that matter. You know, we shouldn't be praying like a 10-year-old, uh, you know, dear Lord, bring me that BMX bike tomorrow, right? You know, Lord, I, I, will, you, will you give me this? Will you give me that? Church, we shouldn't be praying exactly like that. No, we shouldn't. We should be more mature in our prayers. And so before church, before you start praying, you need to think about this. You should pray less about stuff and more about things that matter. You know, you pray for their body. You praying for somebody else? You, you do pray for their body, but you pray for their mind, their hearts, and their soul first. One of the things I learned at the Bible college, I remember sitting in class, and the professor started talking about, you know, how we should be praying, and, it, and someone brought up the prayer and praise time at, at churches, you know, where, hey, will you pray for Lisa? She got a broken leg, and, and things like that. And he said, you know what? We as a church... We should be praying for the spiritual way before we ever pray for the physical. He said, what if Lisa's not saved? What if she don't know Jesus Christ? All you're doing is praying for her leg. The Lord is more worried about her soul, her heart, and her mind than he is her broken leg. So we need to pray properly. You pray for their mind, their heart, and their soul first, church. And for those who've lost somebody. I've, I've got a, unfortunately, it's a long list right now. People that lost someone this year, you know, this is their first without someone they love. I pray for peace for them. I do. I, I pray for peace first, that, that, that God will give them peace in their hearts, that God will give them peace in their minds to know that it's going to be okay, that someday I can see them again, Amen. that it's coming back. So we pray for peace for those people, but you pray for their hearts first, church. Think about this. When Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee, there's that story. Him and the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee, and all of a sudden, the Bible says a great storm arose. And, and the disciples are panicking. They're crying, whining, screaming. Jesus is down below deck. He's sleeping. He's like, I ain't going to worry about nothing, right? And they came down and shook him, and they said, teacher. Master, I don't know what version you're reading. We're going to die. And here's what Jesus did. Before he calmed the storm, church, he calmed their souls. He did. Before he calmed the storm, he, he calmed their souls. He was telling them, like, listen, there's something here that you don't need to worry about that, that your heart needs to be right. Your heart needs to be at peace. So before he said... Be still to the storm. He spoke peace to their perspective. Peace to their perspective. See, church, if you have peace in your perspective, if you have peace in your heart, if you have peace in your mind, I want you to know you can deal with any amount of pain the enemy throws at you. Amen. If you've got the right perspective. If you know who you serve. If he's in your heart. So we need to pray that God gives us a resurrection perspective this morning. A resurrection perspective. And, and let me tell you what that is. 
As a church, listen, I don't want us to just celebrate an event that happened. I love the fact you're here. This is the biggest group we've ever had in church. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. But I don't want us as a church to just celebrate an event that happened. I want the event to be the way that we handle our lives. That we have peace. That we have perspective. That we understand. You know, a preacher, a preacher's got to have the right perspective. If I honestly can't see it, I can't do a good job of delivering it. Right? It, it wouldn't work well. I have to see it with my eyes. I have to understand what it is that God is doing. You know, as a parent, we need perspective, don't we? We, we really do. As a parent, we need perspective. I remember when my kids were younger, and I remember, especially on Sundays, Sundays was brutal. I mean, there would be fist fights in the car. I'm screaming, yelling. Mary's mad at me. You know, all these kind of things. And, and on the way to church, and then you come in, you figure, oh, how you doing? God bless you, brother. Right? <laughs> but it was so hard. But, but, but with, as parents, we need perspective. One day, listen, all you have younger kids, true story, old man story for you right now. One day you're going to miss it. I'm serious. One day you're going to miss the noise. One day you really will miss the chaos. One day that you are going to miss these kids who come to church on Easter Sunday on a sugar high and they're wound up because you let them eat peeps for breakfast. That's on you. I promise you're going to miss it. You really are. You're going to miss it. But there's also the perspective of children that can be helpful to us. That perspective of children can be helpful to us because, see, we have experience that our children need. You've lived life longer, right? You've got experiences. You've got wisdom. We have the experience they need. But guess what? They don't want it, do they? So it's frustrating to be a kid's mom or dad. We have experience. We have perspective that they don't want. But not only do we give kids a perspective, do you realize this? Kids can give you a perspective too. They really can. They can give you a perspective. You know, we're trying to give them experience in advance. You are, you need this in life. You need to learn this. You better figure this out before you get there, right? We try to give them all the experience in advance. And they're trying to give you experience in reverse. It's the little things that matter, right? Reminding you that it was fun to play in the dirt and get all muddy. It was fun to do that. It, it was fun to, to crawl in the grass and, and roll down a hill till you throw up, right? That was fun. You did that. It was fun to go down that crazy water slide. So looking at things from their perspective is important. And do you realize then when you look at the things, when you, when you realize the things that you look at, will start to change when you look at it from the right perspective. If you look at things hard enough, they will begin to change when you look at it with the right perspective. Do you realize this too? Perspective is different between men and women. And you guys are married, right? You got a serious girlfriend. It's night and day. Perspective is completely different. You know, girls think differently than guys. They do. Girls are more planners. Guys are like, oh, we'll figure it out as we go, right? Dump that big swing set out. I don't need the instructions. I'll figure it out as I go. Perspective's different. 
You know, guys, we're just programmed different. You know, I, I, I still, our youngest one in our house, Jacob, he, he likes to wrestle. I still like to wrestle. My wife hates it when we wrestle. So we're very cautious when it goes on. So about two weeks ago, my wife, I came home from work. Jake's sitting on the couch. My wife decides to get a shower, and, and, and we got this thing. You know what? As soon as he looks at me, he knows it's on. I saw him sitting on the couch, and I'm like... He jumped up. We started wrestling, and he's starting to get the best of me, but I still got it for a 51-year-old man. And I picked him up, and I was going to body slam him on the couch. I missed the couch. He hit the living room floor, and there was a loud thud. I mean, it shook the house. My wife's in the shower, and she goes, will you guys knock it off? And we both are laying on the floor. I started laughing, and then he said to me, he said, what are you laughing at? You're the one that's going to be in trouble, not me. Perspective. Perspective. But do you realize, church, in all seriousness, do you realize that some of the things that you've been through. Listen, we've all been through a lot of things in life. We really have. Some of you worse than others. But some of the things that I've been through, some of the things that that you have been through, if it wasn't for a right perspective, if it wasn't for the peace that we have through and in Christ Jesus, you know what? It would have wiped you out. It would have wiped you out. It would have destroyed a lesser person because of the wrong perspective that they have. I don't understand for any, and I, in this job, I've got a front row seat to it. I don't understand how people who do not have the peace that God gives us, right? The Bible calls it the peace that passes all understanding. I don't understand when hard times come. I'm talking about deaths. I'm talking about tragedies. I'm talking about loss of jobs, divorces, whatever it might be. I don't know how people who do not know Jesus Christ and have any kind of peace, I do not understand how they make it through this life without God, without a church family. But with God, church... With God, we've got to have a blessed perspective. You know, some of you, some of you, I believe all of us, actually, all of us, we owe God some praise this morning because he's brought you through something in your life. We owe him that. And the resurrection, the fact that Jesus overcame the grave, should give us a new perspective, a new level, church, of praise. See, this is what Peter said when he started his prayer in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like I told you, he came out the gate. He, he was praising God. Very first chapter, very first, the beginning of it. And this, see, this is significant. I want to tell you Peter's perspective. This is significant because what he was doing here, this is a Jewish benediction that they would have learned in the synagogue. But see, here's how it actually went. You know, it started with praise, but before Christ died on the cross and overcame the grave, they used to say, praise be to the God and Father of Abraham. But Peter understood. See, he started with praise. Do you realize your day, honestly, is so much better when you start with praise? 
I thought you thank God right from the get-go. You open your eyes, feet hit the floor. Lord, I thank you for putting breath in my lungs today. Father God, thank you for taking care of my family. Father God, I, I thank you just for my salvation, whatever it might be. Your, your day will be so much better if you start with praise. Your challenges in the day, every challenge that you have will be better if you start off with praise. The Bible tells us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and we come into his courts with praise. That's what the Bible tells us. So, Easter is not just some special occasion. It really isn't. It's not just, it's amazing, but it's not just some special occasion. It's a perspective. And see, this perspective doesn't mean that you and I don't have to go through anything. That's not what it means that we don't have to go through anything. It just means that we can have the right perspective while we're going through it. See, the people that Peter was writing to, they were a marginalized people. I mean, they were struggling. They, they had all the cards stacked against them. But you know what he was doing? He was telling them, you're blessed. You're blessed. See, before this, again... They would always praise be to the God and Father of Abraham. But Peter was now coming from the perspective of the resurrection. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning, do you realize the power of the resurrection? Think about Peter for a moment. Think about Peter. Three times, three times he denied Jesus Christ. He understood the power of the resurrection. Can you imagine what Peter went through? Because remember, when they were up in the upper room for the Last Supper, right? Jesus said, hey guys, here's what's going to happen. They're going to do this to me. They're going to do this to me. They're going to come. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. And Peter goes, oh, no, they're not. Mm -mm. I'll be right with I'll fight them off. You know, I'll die with you if I've got to. And, and Jesus goes, ah, no, Peter. You'll deny me three times before the rooster crows, right? Anybody knows, you read the scripture, you may have seen the passion of the Christ, third time the rooster crows. And in that picture, in the video, and also in God's word, it says their eyes met the third time. Could you imagine, after you made those grandiose statements, I always told my kids, don't you make grandiose, bold statements that you can't back up. My dad called those Writing checks that your rear end can't cash is what he used to call them. <laughs> but imagine making those grandiose statements and then all of a sudden on the third time you did exactly what he told you you were going to do and you looked him right in the eye. So Peter, listen to me, Peter understood the power of the resurrection. He understood that the resurrection meant mercy. He understood the resurrection meant forgiveness. He understood the resurrection meant redemption. Imagine what he felt like. Because he had another chance. Christ gave him another chance even after what he did to Jesus. Even after what he did. Some of you understand the resurrection well, church. Because of what Christ has saved you from. Our church is filled with people who were, I mean, very ill. And the doctor said, ah, slim chance. We prayed. They came to elders saying, anoint me with the oil. That's what the Bible says. We'll pray over you. God healed them. Do you realize because of what Christ has saved you from? I'm talking about a life of sin. I'm talking about a life of shame. I'm talking about a life of loneliness. A life of separation. 
But because of the resurrection, you have been restored. You have been transformed. And the Bible says you've been made brand new. Who doesn't like brand new? It's a perspective. See, Jesus was personal to Peter. It was a personal thing, right? It's different when it's personal, right? It's very different when it's personal. You know, I did a job, as the church calls it, in the world for 21 years. It was, and, and it was, I was feeding the big red machine, man. It's sugar water. Let's sell as much as we can. Just keep the ball rolling. That's all I had to do. And then when I became a preacher in ministry, it's personal. Yes. Business world was not personal. This is very personal. We're talking about people's lives. We're talking about their hearts. We're talking about their minds, their, their salvation, right? It's different when it's personal. You know, maybe when you were younger, you didn't like kids and you were scared to death to be a mom or dad, right? I don't even like kids. You're scared. Please, Lord, don't bless me with any, right? (laughs) But then you got your baby. It's different because it's yours. Church, it's personal. You know, your kids are personal to you. Other people's kids, ah, that's different, right? Your kids are personal. You know, every time somebody has a baby in the church, they're always like, here, Mark, you want to hold my baby? No offense, I don't want to hold your baby. And I, they're cute, but I'm scared. Here's why I'm scared. I'm afraid of that handoff. You know what I mean? Hey, I dropped my own kid. That's on me. I dropped yours. You will never forgive me. Mark dropped him right in front of the old church, right? Because it's personal with my kid. I, I can do what I need to do with my kid. I can handle I can pick my kid with no problem, but I'm scared to pick yours up. Because my kid's personal. But church, you might not be a religious person. You're sitting here today, and you came because mama asked you to, maybe. Your friend came. You're you're saying, I'm not really a religious person. And you're like, I like what you're saying, preacher. But I just don't get it. It's because it's not personal. It's very different when it's personal, when you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's different. You will get it. You will understand it. And and so Peter was saying, you know, I know who I'm praising. In 1 Peter chapter 1, he was telling Peter, I know exactly who I'm praising because it was personal. I knew who he was. I knew who he was. I just didn't hear him. I just didn't hear about him. I'm talking, I saw him. And I just didn't see him. He's saying, I experienced him. I experienced him in a mighty way. See, it all started when I met him face to face. So Peter's saying, I give him praise. It's not the kind of praise when you get a new car, like, I praise God, I got a new car. No, it's not like that. It's not the kind of praise you have for a new house. It's not that that kind of praise for you young men. Oh, she called me back, right? Or when you get that promotion, it's the kind of praise that, I mean, you've been going through the fire, I'm talking about you are hurting, you are, you are damaged, you are bruised and beaten, and you realize that God is still faithful. Yes. That he's faithful. It's an Easter praise. It's praise on the other side of the pain. It's a resurrection praise. See, Peter did all this. Everything that I read to you from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. In the original text... Peter did not use any punctuation whatsoever. You know, when they translated the Bible into English, some English teacher probably was saying, hey, you need to put punctuation in there, right? 
If you look at the original text, they used punctuation back then too. It was a run-on sentence. So it's basically like this. Peter was so excited. He was excited. And I'm talking about he was rolling. Verses 3 through 12. Just boom, 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 boom. Just shouting it out. He rolled through all the mysteries of the gospel to the resurrection all in one breath, church. One breath. I got a very dear friend and she's here. I ain't going to point her out. I don't want to embarrass her. This girl talks so fast. She talks so fast. It's sometimes like, what did you say? And she's very excitable all the time. And I, I didn't hear what you said. I don't, I don't understand. But, but she's excited about what she has to tell you. And see, that's exactly how Peter was. And he did this all in one breath. I want you to think about this, church. That phrase, one breath. Do you realize in one breath? Jesus was hanging on the cross. And the Bible says he took his last breath. One more breath. And he said, it is finished. Do you realize that in one breath, he forgave all the people of their sins, church? Of their sins, in one breath. Do you realize in one breath, when, when he appeared after the resurrection to the disciples, when they were hiding behind locked doors, the Bible says he took a breath and he breathed the Holy Spirit onto all of them. And you realize in one breath, one breath, every sin that you have committed, every shame you have carried, every struggle that you have been through, church, with one breath, it can be restored, it can be renewed, and it can be resurrected. One breath to recognize that Jesus is the Christ, the Son, the living God. In one breath. And that's by the presence of God. The psalmist said this, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. That's what the psalmist said, everything that has breath praise the Lord. So church, we should be thankful for the breath in our lungs. We should be thankful that we have breath in our lungs so we can see another day that we can also experience all that he has done. Peter tells us, right, that fire is to gold the same as trials are to our faith. They're not pleasant. But they can be powerful. The trials in your life can be very powerful. You know, I've been reading a lot about kids who've been through some really horrible situations in life. And, and this is sad to say because the state of this world, the dime a dozen. I mean, there's tons of kids out there that's been through the ringer. All you school teachers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But these kids, in this study, there's some kids who, who, who make it, and, and they say those children are resilient. And what really bothers me so often, I'll hear people say, oh, I know Jimmy's been through a lot, or, you know, we're getting a divorce, and, you know, but kids are resilient. They'll bounce back. They are resilient, church, but it leaves scars. It leaves scars. So I was reading about these kids who've been through so much so many things in their life and how some of them would overcome and they would become amazing people, you know, adults who, who gave back to the community or did things. And you realize in life, your child can either go one way or the other. And there's a lot of that that's up to you parents. But there's something called acute trauma. We just call it scarred for life. Acute trauma is this, they've been traumatized by violence or abuse. 
And then the other end of the spectrum is called chronic trauma. And it's just because you haven't seen someone get shot doesn't mean you can't have trauma. Basically what that boils down to. So John right here, and what I read to you from John chapter 20, John is dealing with acute trauma. I'm talking bad. He witnessed the bloody, nasty mess of Jesus dying on the cross. And in a moment, when Jesus took his last breath, all of John's hopes, all of his dreams, all of his ideas of who the Messiah was, was was destroyed. See, that's exactly why Peter... He also had acute trauma. He went back to fishing for a little while. After, after all that stuff happened with Jesus, you know, he went back to fishing for a little bit. He had to gather himself. Judas, you know what? Judas was traumatized by what was leading up to the cross. He played his own part, didn't he? But John was, Peter was. And, and see, trauma caused Judas to hang himself. But the same cross that enabled Peter to preach on Pentecost was the same one that Judas also witnessed. And it's about perspective. You know, it's not the event that defines potential church. It's not. It's not what you've been through that determines where you end up. It's not what so-and-so did to you or what so-and-so didn't do to you that defines or limits you moving forward. The same event that killed Judas was the same event that gave Peter the opportunity to experience mercy. And Peter was preaching to the church in Turkey. Let me tell you about mercy, church. Let me tell you about triumph. Let me tell you about the resurrection. The empty tomb means the trauma is subject to triumph. You know, we call it Good Friday, don't we? If you don't know what that means, Good Friday was the day that Jesus literally died on the cross. I remember sitting in Sunday school. Joanne Van Dyke was my Sunday school teacher forever. And she would sit there and she said, well, next week is Good Friday. And then they'd show you the the clean version, the children version, the the PG version, or maybe the G version of Jesus on the cross. You know, there's one little stripe of blood here, one here, and one on his feet. She said, it's called Good Friday. I remember sitting there looking at her like, lady, you're crazy. Why are you calling it Good Friday? You just told me they beat him till he was unrecognizable and killed him on the cross. What's so good about that? But you know what? My perspective has changed. It wasn't good from that side. We call it Good Friday because now you and I, we see it from Sunday. We see it from the resurrection story. Church, you've got to pray for the right perspective. So why are you looking at the cross, church? How many of you are looking at the cross in your trials and your troubles from Thursday, Friday, or Saturday's point of view when you know what? You should be looking at it from a Sunday morning perspective that Jesus overcame the grave to give us a hope and a future. Church, it's Easter. It's about the resurrection mindset. It's that all things can be made new. That God's promises are kept. He demonstrated that the day that Jesus rose from the grave, the all promises that God makes are kept, even when it doesn't look like it on Friday. Listen to me, church. Even when it doesn't look like it for you on Friday, I want you to know that Sunday is coming. It can be different. It can be made new. 
Jesus is the resurrection. So this morning, I want you to know that God has called you to have a resilient faith. Resilient means this. It comes from Latin. It means to jump again or to bounce back. God wants you to have a resilient faith. That we can have a new point of view. That we can have a brand new perspective. You know, those ladies went to the tomb. They were expecting to see Jesus dead there. But he was gone. The Bible says they were sad and they thought somebody stole him. That's the lady's perspective. John and Peter... They went out to check it out. A couple weeks ago, we told you, John's kind of cocky in what he says. He wrote down, when he wrote this down, it was, they're estimating about 90 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he wrote this down, and he was kind of having that grandpa vibe, you know what I'm talking about? Back when I was in school, I walked to school uphill both ways, right? In eight feet of snow. But he was remembering things. And in verse 3, it says, Peter and the other disciples, that's John, was started out for the tomb. In verse 4, he says, they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. So John's saying, I won. Just saying. Then John chapter 20, verse 5, it says he stopped, he looked in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. See, the Bible said he just peeked in. So how many of you this morning, are you just peeking in? How many of you seriously, that, that you're just kind of looking in? You're just looking in, and, 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 but you're not going in. You know, he saw it. You realize the Greek for see, you know what the, the word in Greek for see is? It's see. <laughs> In John chapter 20, verse 6, it says this, Then Simon Peter arrived, and he went inside. He went inside. He also noticed the wrappings lying there. So Peter went straight in. Church, do you realize your heavenly Father is calling you, and he's saying, I want you to come in. Don't just stand there and look. I want you to come in. And we have to go all in, church. We got to go all in. See, you're not going to get anything if you're not all in, church. I want to read to you the last verse I want to read to you today before we wrap things up. And I'd like to ask the praise team to come up here. John chapter 20, verse 7 and 8. It says, while the cloth that covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and he believed. After seeing church, they believed. After seeing it, they believed. See church, the situation didn't change. But the way that they saw it changed everything. You realize that God wants you to have a brand new perspective this morning. Maybe you're sitting here in church and right now all you're worried about is that ham that's at home right now. Maybe you're sitting here at church and you're only worried about the person that's sitting beside you or behind you, what they're doing. But I want to encourage you. You've got to have a different perspective. See, God wants you to have a brand new view this morning. 
today we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. I'm talking it's a new perspective. God wants you to come to know him. And some of you are sitting here today. I've heard this time and time again. You're wondering, does God even have a plan for me? The enemy, you've been believing the lies of the enemy when he's telling you it's too late for you, that there is no hope for you, that you are damaged goods, that God would never want you, nor would he ever use you. Biggest lie ever told, remember, Satan is the father of all lies. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. But here's what it is. God wants it to be personal. I'm serious. He wants it to be extremely personal. And he wants it to be personal with you. Maybe there's some people here today, you're missing the personal. This is one of the saddest facts to me about church life. There are some people who will sit in church every Sunday for their entire life. And you know what? They're going to miss heaven by 12 inches. Can you imagine that? Let me explain to you where that 12 inches is. It's from here down to your heart. They've got all the head knowledge. i got a friend, he can quote the Bible way better than I can, but he don't believe in God. they got the head knowledge, but you know what? It's not here in the heart. And in order for it to be personal, it's got to be from the heart. So this morning, if you're sitting here, and I'm telling you, this sermon's getting to you, I'm talking about you know, you know today that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you're struggling. I mean, you've been squirming in your seat the whole time. That's the Holy Spirit calling you out. What better day for you to give your life to Jesus Christ than on Resurrection Sunday that he will pull you up out of the muck and mire. He will transform you. The Bible says he will make all things brand new. But you must believe. So this morning, if that's for you, I want to encourage you, come up front. You do not have to have the Bible memorized. You do not have to know everything there is to know. All you got to do is know this, that you want your place in eternity to be secured. You can't say, well, I'm a good person. That doesn't matter. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this, all men, meaning every single one of you too, ladies, All of us fall short of the glory of God, meaning we are all sinning. We are not going to make it on our own. But he says that Jesus came so that you could have a hope. He died on the cross. So if that is for you this morning, seriously, you come up front. We'll pray with you. We'll walk you through it. I'll have some elders up here. Kim will be up here. They will pray with you. And for the rest of you believers, some of you, some of you believers, you've been beat down. Maybe you're here today, first time you've been in church forever because the church hurts you bad. I know that happens. I've seen it. We're not perfect. But you know what? You've been struggling in your faith. Maybe, maybe you've got some kind of sickness, maybe some kind of disease. And you're saying, yeah, God doesn't love me or else this wouldn't have happened. That's not true either. Everything that's garbage comes from the enemy on this earth. But maybe you need to renew your faith this morning. Maybe you need to have a different perspective of what is it God's doing. So how about it, church? Let's stand together. Let's sing. I want to encourage you to respond today.